Hello and welcome to The Scaling Edge. I am your host, Michael Brooks. Max is here, running the boards as always. Hey, Max. What's up? This is the internet talk show that focuses on the hard-won lessons by battle-hardened entrepreneurs on how to scale. And we try to pass that information on to you, give you one or two things that you can actually practically use. That's our hope. Uh, to help scale your business and your life. Kevin, un, uh, unbelievable universe, scaling universe. Kevin, what are you doing? <laughs> Who are you? How did you get here? Yes. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me, my friend. I am Kevin Palmieri. Today, I am the host, the CFO, and the founder of Next Level University. We're a global top 100 podcast. We do an episode every single day, and we just recorded number 1387 today or something like that. So we've been doing this for, for a hot minute. Uh, how did I get here? That's always a great question. I achieved a level of quote-unquote financial success in my mid-20s, ended up realizing that that life and grinding away the way I was doing and traveling for work, it just wasn't what I wanted to do. I felt very unfulfilled in that. Ended up sitting on the edge of a bed contemplating suicide a couple of years after making the most money I'd ever made. And then I quit. I, I left my job a couple months later. I had this very small podcast that had like maybe 15 episodes. And I partnered up with one of my good friends. And we said, all right, we're going to make this the most successful self-improvement company on the planet. In the beginning, it was, let's meet the listeners. Let's figure out who's actually listening to this. Let's go straight to the end user and the consumer. And we've kind of obsessed over that, honestly, for the last six years. So where were you in your life? Like describe kind of your day and what you, where you were in your standing in life when you were contemplating suicide. Yeah. So I worked in an industry called weatherization. So we would go into state or government owned buildings and it was our job to make them more energy efficient. So my day would look like this. I'll take you, I'll do the week because it, it, it'll make sense. Uh, Sunday, I'd get up in the morning, I'd pack my suitcase, I'd drive to our shop, which was an hour away, I would load up my work van, and then I would drive another six hours to the job site because we, we usually worked out of state. And then from there, I'd work an eight-hour shift, either working in an attic or working on windows, working on doors, just a lot of manual labor. And then we'd go back to the hotel and I would eat fast food. I, I was doing a lot of lifting, so I was going to the gym, but I'm living in a hotel right? The the year yeah. I was the most successful, I spent 10 months just living in hotels every single week. What did success look like? Was that just having a lot of work? Was it making a, a lot of money? Or was it buying a house? What, what was success like for you? I thought money would fix all of my internal stuff I had going on, right? Like I wasn't very confident. I was very insecure, low self-worth, low self-belief. I don't feel good enough. Did that happen before the work life? It, it sounds like that you you had this intense work life, but you know I'm trying to get to uncover what's like. Was it the work life that brought that out? That brought those in, or the success? Like, let me rephrase that. Yeah. Was the insecurities driving the need for the success? And then once you've achieved the success, you realize that wasn't going to satisfy the insecurities. So it was the feeling of hopelessness. That was the big piece. Yeah. So for me, I was raised by my mom and my grandmother. I didn't know my dad. I didn't meet my dad until I was 27. That is where this all, that not enoughness, you know, inner lack of security, all of it came from that and the childhood I had because of that. 
I assumed external results would fix internal voids. That was my thought is, if I make more money, I'm going to be fine. Everything inside of me is just going to heal itself. Then you get that shocking moment. It didn't. Quite the opposite. You got the external results. Yes. And it drove you down. Yes. I had been looking for this key. Like, what is the key to fulfillment and happiness? Is it the car? No, I got the car. That didn't change it. My girlfriend was a model. It's like, ah, that's not it. Okay. High paying job. No, that's not it. Um, Body. I won a bodybuilding show. No, that's not it. I kept looking and looking and looking. And then it's it's a very, very triggering thing when you get to the last key that you assume is going to fix the problem and it's not it. Then what do you do? Where do you where do you go from there? And I was deeply afraid of starting over. I'm glad you jumped on this right away because a lot of people they don't they don't lead with, hey, I was doing great. I felt like killing myself. You know <laughs> what I mean? But it's an important part of the story. Yeah, it's an important part of the story. It's it's a it's a pivotal part. It's probably why you mentioned it right away. Yeah. So okay, you had that kind of breakdown. You you had that pain, and then you made a switch. What was the switch where you go, like, one, what stopped you from killing yourself? So I woke up one morning. The best way to explain it is there's 10 televisions on in my head at the same time, and every single one is on a different station. Too much noise. I ended up reaching out to my, he's my business partner now, but he was just my friend at the time. And I said, hey, I'm I'm having these thoughts. I'm having these feelings. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, what am I, what am I supposed to do? And he said, Kev, over the last couple of years, your awareness has changed a ton, but your environments have stayed the same. I think you got to change your environment. That's when it was like, oh, there is hope. He poured into the dream more than somebody who might've just said, Kev, nobody really likes their job. You know, you just got to get through it. You make a boatload of money, just get through the weekend. I'm sure Monday will be better. He gave me permission to look more into the future. What did you see in the future? I just saw that there was hope. There's hope and an opportunity. Just because things are the way they are today does not mean they must be the way they are today forever. That was, it was just a little bit of hope. I didn't have a plan. I didn't know like what I was going to do with my life. I just knew that I could make a different decision to that day. And that was enough for me. And I believed it would be worth it. So the decision was quit your job and what? Go all in on a podcast that has no audience and is making no money and with no business background. That was, that was the next step. (laughs) <laughs> Sounds like it worked out for you. So far, so good. But transparently, the you know we've been doing it full time for six years, and it's interesting how that part of the story of like having suicidal ideations and just struggling and all that—that that was easy in comparison to building the business. Honestly. So, how do you take that experience and help people scale their lives and their companies? today. One thing I've gotten pushback on this in the past, but I, it's one of the best things in the world and it has worked tremendously for, for us. You always have some sort of value add that is perceived as unscalable. Now, all I mean by that is this. I think as people grow and scale, they say to themselves, I don't want to work more. I want to work less. Cool. I'm all for that. But don't forget that your end user does not care how much you're working. They want some sort of personal touch on everything that you do. And if you can find a way to work that into the system, an analogy I've used before. Yeah, you might say, I have a a knife company. We ship out a thousand knives a day. I don't have time to write a handwritten note in every one. Find a way to print one in handwritten ink and throw it in every box. It's going to separate you. It's going to differentiate you. When we're talking about scalability, yeah, that's from an effort standpoint, but you got to remember that value is contextual. The nugget is... The perceived personal touch that is unscalable. Always. So even if you have an assistant write a hand note 
yeah. on every knife set that comes out. It's a handwritten thank you note that you can't scale a hand. Right. That is that is your edge is maintain an unscalable value mm-hmm. that will help build relationship in the mind of your client customer. It's something that might be perceived as a short-term loss, but the long-term ROI is far greater than the short-term loss. Yeah, it might cost you, you know, maybe it's $15 to hire somebody to write notes. Do you believe that one of those notes will get somebody to buy another knife? Okay, cool. You're making your money back. That's always been my thought is I think a lot of people, they're, they're more focused on scale than they are on value. And they lose sight of that in the in the gap where it's like, okay, we're busier than we've ever been. We got to get this going. We got to make sure it's scaling. But what got you there in the first place? It was probably that stuff that you're going to start letting go of, most likely. So value, adding value, and and the unscalable value is mm-hmm. a way to actually scale your business. I believe so. Yeah, based on on what we've done. It seems almost counterintuitive, but it makes sense. <laughs> It's well, weird. It's like, I want to scale my business, but I want people to feel yeah. like I'm not. Yeah. Like my business is designed specifically for them. It's one of the questions I get asked most often is like, how did you guys do what you you do? Like, how did you get to the point where you got to? And I always say this, in the beginning, I did all the things that were not scalable. As we got busier and busier, I tried to just systematize one of them. That was that's really all it is because we're a personal brand at the end of the day. Person personal brands require personality. And once you lose that, you're in trouble. Well, one thing you've got a lot of, Kevin, is personality. <laughs> well, I appreciate it very much, my friend. <laughs> so how are you helping people now? Now I take what we've learned from our 1400 episodes of just going directly to the end user and saying, look, you need to figure out what contextual value you can add. It's not for us. Most of our clients are podcasters and small businesses. I know you think marketing is going to create opportunities for you to sell. I think it's most likely going to be the unscalable value ads that you're not doing because you've been told not to do them. I have seen that more and more and more. So I help people come up with an actual plan on what should you be doing day to day to actually build real authentic relationships that are long-term scalable and long-term sustainable that will ultimately pay you back on a long-term ROI basis. And practically, what what's the logistical start point? Someone says, wow, Kevin, that sounds interesting. They call you and you hmm. do what? It, it all depends on the, on the client ultimately. But like one of the things I'm big on is I think every business should have a podcast, honestly, because I think it helps you scale way better because you have the opportunity to talk directly to the audience. Well, I tend to agree. So does uh, golance.com. Right. <laughs> it, it makes sense, right? So that's one thing I always try to put in is like, if you're not talking directly, if you're only talking to your client, potential client, when you want them to become a client, you're not adding as much value as you could. Here's how you should start a podcast. Boom, that's one. Two, how do we use your social media channels, not just to promote your stuff, but how do we actually have a conversation with somebody? Like, what does that look like for you? Is that sustainable? Do we have to hire? Do we have to delegate? What does that ultimately look like? Can you give us an example of a client that you've done this for and the Mm -hmm. result and the actual like hands-on work that was done and then what the result was? Any, Any one of your best ones? Yeah. So one of our clients, again, she's a podcaster who is in coaching. So she does one-on-one coaching, group coaching, retreats, that type of stuff. When she came to me and said, hey, I'm doing this online course because I want to scale it. 
right? I, I want it to be scalable. Online courses are scalable. And I said, mm. all right, cool. What are you currently doing? She said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to run ads. I'm going to do all this. And I said, all right, this is what you should do. I want you to create a warm list of people who have bought from you. And I want you to send all of them a one-on-one message. And then she ended up filling her online courses as well as her group coaching program. It's just the simple stuff that I think we forget about when we get to a certain level of business that I don't know if that ever runs out of value. I really don't believe it does. The personal, so, so practically though, with her specifically, what, like, what was the value action that got her to that result? It was just sending messages to community members. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, here's the thing. We all get bombarded with messages of so you. So you designed the messages to reach out to her community. Yeah. Yeah. And functionally did the process of sending them to the community. She did the, she did the process. Okay. But you she helped her process. design the message. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's just from an understanding of most people are asking for something without delivering value. I don't ever send somebody a message and say, hey, I have a product, please buy it. I don't ever do that. I'll, I'll literally message somebody and say, hey, Michael, how are you? I hope you're well. Or hey, congrats on the new house. Congrats on the dog. Congrats on the new car. Not the LinkedIn copy and paste of, hey, I'd love to be connected to you. I just think it's people can so see So you're taking that. a human connection and a, 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 a direct relationship standpoint to marketing. Mm. Yeah, by, you're turning a relationship actually, into revenue. By actually getting to know somebody. Hey, how are you doing? I hope you're yeah. working. Congrats on the new job. I hope it's going to go great for you. And then uh, at some point down the line, you may have some service you could provide them. It's the, the conversation opener is you adding value contextually from the understanding that a lot of people aren't getting messages like that. Most people don't take time out of their day to message somebody and ask how they're doing. That's gone. We don't do that anymore. I have a program. I have a course. Here it is. Are you interested in collaborating? That's it's that's gone. That's not going to work like it used to because people get that so often. But if you hop in and say, hey, I genuinely hope you're doing well. I've had people do, I've messaged that and I've literally had people say like, hey, I've been, I've been binging the podcast. I absolutely love it. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Wow. Did you, did you hear about group coaching? No, I didn't. Can you give me details? Cool. Now they, now they join group coaching. That understanding of, I, I know I sound like a broken record, the, the contextual value. Most people think it's about getting somebody to make a decision in the moment. I don't think it is. I think it's opening the relationship and allowing them to get to know you. So homework assignment for our audience, they should go through their contact list and say hello to yep. how many people? How many people should they just check in on? 10 a day for as many days as it takes to get through the list. What about the people in their list where they're like, they don't really know them that well? Just kind of a name and a list. Is Should they reach out to them as well? I would say so. As long as you can craft, this is what I do. I send audio messages. I'll, I'll just send an audio message. Hey, Michael, I hope. Yep. Every oh, message okay. I send is from me. Yep. For followers on social media, I used to send videos. Hey, Michael, thank you so much for the follow. I appreciate it. If there's anything I can do, please let me know. Every person. No, I, I don't have help. a ton. Yeah, I, I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, like 3,000 or something. Still a lot. But, That's still a lot. But if I can systematize that, this is my analogy. If The Rock is your favorite actor and he sent you a video, you will never go anywhere else and you will never forget that. And you will continue to purchase from The Rock. Not because of his products, not because of any, because he's the one who gave you the personal touch and you'll remember that. That's kind of brilliant. And I'm sure that's good practical advice that our audience can, can digest. And they're probably thinking right now, as am I going, wow, how many missed opportunities did I have to go connect with someone? But it's never too late. <laughs> It's never, there's no time like the present. All right. Well, Kevin, I know you're a busy guy and I know you've got a lot going on today. People that want to find out more about you and what you can do, 
How can they get you? Yeah, I just I always say just search Next Level University. That's our podcast. You'll get to know us at a deep level. And if you feel like you resonate with what we talk about, all the stuff is is there. So Next Level University, all the podcast platforms, YouTube as well. Go check out Next Level University. Kevin, thank you so much for being real today and sharing your authentic story and uh, so much pain and so much growth in the same uh, in the same time. What a, uh, what an amazing story. Thank you, my friend. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you very much. Okay. Cheers. Bye.